0: Listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Win championships, you've got to have a championship organization. Rexa, what a pass to Anders. A team follows. Boyd's branch fires, he converts. Rhymes again. Upside. shot. Pull-up three in transition for Angela Harris. DeRose says, not tonight, not in Houston. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Slam Jamma presented by Apollo Media. All Houston, all original. I am one of your hosts, Justin Barbosa big-time Houston sports fan and a play-by-play announcer for Vibe Media, and you can find me on Twitter at Barbosa underscore 95.
1: And I'm your second host, Akib Ghazi, and you can find me on Twitter at Akib underscore Rockets. And be sure to follow the official Apollo Media account at Apollo H-O-U, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'd greatly
0: appreciate it. And today's episode, we are gonna talk about the Houston Cougar sixty-three sixty win over the Rutgers Scarlet Knight last night to advance to the sweet sixteen. And Aki, what what a crazy game this was.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. I was I was jumping for joy at the end of the you know, at the end of that game. And I mean I mean during the whole second half, like I could I was just at the edge of my seat, kinda of like probably every other, you know, Houston Cougar fan that was watching that game, but That game was just, you know, inexplicable. What a tough, you know, win. What a, you know, culture win. That's like the the term that they're trying to use after in the postgame. That was definitely like a a culture type win. And I'm just excited we were able to get out, beat Rutgers with uh, with the dub.
0: It was just a crazy game in general. I mean, the Cougars were down 10 with about nine minutes to go. And right when that happened, Dejan Giroux got – went through a screen and re-aggravated that that hit pointer that he aggravated in the first round against uh, Cleveland State. And, man, once he came back into the game, it's like the whole shift of the game just changed once he hit that three-pointer to cut the lead down to five. And that's basically where all the momentum just went to U of H. And it was just a hard-fought win to the very end.
1: Yeah, and he definitely – he was the guy that all game long, you know, he was definitely – he was holding on to that hip. He was – super banged up Uh, obviously from that first game when he once he got injured during the game he never came back and he never played another minute but this game he toughed this one out and he was basically you could say typically Justin Gorham is you know the heart and soul of this team when it comes to hustle plays rebounding but Dejan Jarreau was just doing everything he was scoring Um, he's been so big he's you know he's the leader of this team definitely that's what coach Sampson He's, he's called uh, Dejan our leader. So definitely he was that guy for us throughout the game. Of course, we had uh, Quentin Grimes do his thing as always, you know, putting up 20, a 20-piece 20 uh, like he usually does. So that's nothing new from him, but what a game from Grimes. And um, just, I want to talk a little bit just to let you continue on before that. Uh, there's you know, Fabian White was kind of big. He had some big shots to also keep that momentum going for us. Uh, what do you think about his game?
0: Fabian was great off the bench. He had a uh, seven points and two rebounds, and really, like out of those seven points, like five of those, actually six of those seven, were huge. Coming into the second half, down the stretch, bringing the Cougars at least within five and six. The first shot he made was that in the within the inside then 10 feet of the rim where he got fouled and that bank shot two pointer got the and one to go in. And then he had that wide open three top of the key, bring the lead down to at least six. And that was just a huge momentum shift for Fabian white.
1: And I mean, post game uh, coach Sampson did mention um, that when, you know, when they were basically Rutgers had, I remember they had gone up by 10 and then he he credited Fabian White on that big three, like you had mentioned, the top of the key three. He said that was probably one of the biggest plays of the game, even though it had, it cut the lead down from 10 to seven, and you would think seven is still a large lead. And I, I, I couldn't agree more with Coach Sampson. That that shot was huge because, like, what if he had, you know, missed that, that three-point shot? Uh, who knows what could have happened? Rutgers could have kept their momentum because they had a lot of momentum surging in through that second half. Like I had said, they they got it to ten point. They, they got it to a ten point lead, and then from there on, we at least the Cougars did try to keep it close, and they eventually were able to come out with the dub. But uh, what what went through your mind, Justin, whenever uh, you saw that tip in from, uh, from uh, off the bench, uh, Traymon Mark? What, I mean, what went through your mind when he got that tip, and then when he had that and one?
0: Man, I was, uh, I was going crazy. I was at to you walking down back and forth to the living room. And uh, when uh, he made that basket, I was like, oh, man, we, it's a tie game. It's anybody's game now. And when he hit that free throw, I was like, all right, we got a one-point lead. But the bad news is Rutgers has the last basket, no shot clock, 24 seconds left.
1: Yep, and that, that was definitely the same thing that was going on in my mind because we had seen often way too many times – especially in uh, these last two NCAA tournaments. The first one, you know, being that shot from Jordan Poole from Michigan at the buzzer to, you know, knock us out of the uh, round of 32. That was definitely a gut punch. And then more recently, um, the last NCAA tournament where uh, you saw Tyler Hero hit that clutch three um, to take the lead. So we're, as as Houston Cougar fans and, you know, an alum, we're often way too You know, we're too used to getting our hearts broken. But, you know, it it came out the opposite, kind of like at the end of our season, wherever Trayvon Mark hit that half-court buzzer beater. Coach Samson said, you know, we were kind of due of one of those types of games uh, where it went in our favor. So this was kind of one of those games where everything, if you think about it, just just about everything went in our favor, aside from obviously the missed free throws, but literally, um, every huge play that was made down the stretch was like extremely important, and we we needed every one of those last plays, especially that the play from uh, Trimon Mark and one uh, put back offensive rebound. Uh, it was amazing, and then of course uh, we got we came came up with that steal from Marcus Sasser. Even though Marcus Sasser, I mean, I know we we know how good of a scorer Marcus Sasser can be. Yeah, he's in the double figures. He's average. He averages just under close to fourteen points a game. And Sasser, he came up with a huge steal. You know that was the one that was able, and he got fouled. That was the one that was able to put us up by three. Um, that and that, that kind of gave us a cushion. And I was really excited. Um, you know, once he he knocked down those two free throws, and you know, eventually the buzzer went off.
0: Yeah, Marcus Sasser yeah. really struggled that game, going one for nine, over five from three, and uh, really struggled all the way down the stretch. But once he got those two steals and those two free throws, it was basically a big redemption for him, and really happy that he made those free throws and helped the Cougars get to the next round. And uh, yeah, Quinn Grimes just another great game, going seven to fifteen from the field, five and nine for three for twenty-two points. It's a great game of Hillman, but. Uh, Like you said earlier, I mean, Justin Gorham, like usually the heart and soul of the team and really the big rebounder on the boards, struggled mightily this game. And also Reggie Chaney, I think, got into early foul trouble in the first half, got four fouls in the first half. So the Cougars really came through a lot of adversity this game to win.
1: Yeah, adversity is the right word, Justin. And, you know, we saw that uh, Reggie Chaney, Gorham was struggling, Sasser struggled. Uh, heavily and then we had Tremont Mark although he made one of the biggest plays down the stretch you could say that was the biggest play of the game he was also he also struggled from the field so um, Reggie Chaney he, he was not he was in early foul trouble like you had mentioned played decent defensively but then Justin Gorham Marcus Sasser and then tremon Mark um, they all combined for just six for six for twenty-five from the field, which is, you know, you could say that's not good. They all three of them combined for uh, 0 for 8 from three. But, you know, when we needed those clutch plays um, defensively, like that's what that's when that's what we got from them. So I'm I'm happy that we at least just came out with the win. Um, Obviously, you know, this Cougar team, we're not going to, you know, when we do win, some of them are some of those games are going to be ugly. Some of those wins are going to be ugly. So uh, Coach Sampson again. He always preaches that we're not ever gonna, we're not expecting to make the first shot, but we're always gonna try to out rebound you and get second chance points, second chance opportunities. So, and the second half was huge, huge, huge for the Cougars, especially at um, with five minutes left. That's when we were making, getting all our offensive rebounds, all of our putbacks. Uh, Quentin Grimes, I remember he had a, a quick putback from an offensive rebound, and he had that huge three. Um, to cut it I believe I think it was like to cut it with after he had missed those two free throws if you remember Justin he had that huge three from the logo so we're gonna definitely have to start calling uh Quentin Grimes logo queue because you know during the season and a bunch of times uh in in this NCAA tournament he's hit some huge threes and he was like you said like you mentioned he was five for nine from three so you know anytime you get someone that's five for nine from three that's that's super big and and what does he shoot, Justin? Like I think above forty percent. I want to say like, that's that's like NBA type type level uh, scoring. So yeah, he's he's definitely been our best player.
0: Yeah, I remember on the, the telecast, I think one of the broadcasters said he sh- he shoots over forty one percent for the season, and that's that's hitting threes on a really good mark. Like that's an excellent mark, especially in college.
1: Yeah, and just looking at some of—not uh, um, to get too off-topic—but just looking at Quentin Grimes' draft potential, you know, he's—I've seen a couple of um, mock drafts where he does go late first round, uh, late, uh, for early to late second round. So um, definitely, teams, NBA teams do see him as the NBA caliber player, and we see just all of that with his scoring. And I think in this in this tournament, he's now averaging twenty a game, um, which is not. Know, not easy to do in the NCAA tournament because everyone's expecting Quentin Grimes to score. And I don't know if you noticed this, Justin, but Quentin Grimes played 40 minutes. And so he did not step off the court once during that game. So um, that's that's extremely impressive. And he was still able to get buckets, uh, trade some buckets at the end of the game. So I'm just like happy that we were able to come up with, with the win, like I said.
0: And that's just leadership. That's how and far Quentin Grimes has uh, come along since uh, his first season here last season. Uh, and we talk about it a lot on the on this podcast how Quentin uh, Grimes in this first season with the Cougars was, you know, very inconsistent. Has some really good games, and then be some games where he's just in single digit scoring. And he really, you know, embraced the culture and really turned it around this season. And now we're seeing it pay off in the tournament. I mean playing 40 minutes, not, you know, taking a breather at all. I mean, that's just leadership and culture.
1: Yeah. And um, that's, that's the guy that, you know, I, I I knew from last season that if he just bought into this program, he would be something special. You know, he'd be like that Rob Gray type player or that Corey Davis type player that could lead this, you know, program uh, in scoring and also defensively as well. So he's, he's done that and then some this season you know he was a uh, third leading scorer in in the conference uh, in the American and uh, he was co-player of the year so he definitely has lived, lived up to that expectation you know coming out of high school now and he's a junior so we'll definitely see him grow and develop even as a, a professional but that's going, to be, that's going to be it for this segment, but coming right up, uh, we will be discussing uh, the uh, Houston Cougar women's basketball game, their last game that they had played uh, in the season, and they had beaten ASU, and uh, we'll, we'll get back to that in just a moment.
0: Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros
1: and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo H-O-U. All Houston. All original. And continuing on here at Pod Slamma Jamma, presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop a review or leave us some stars. Uh, we'd greatly appreciate it. Justin, now we're going to get to the part where we talk about the Houston women's basketball team. And um, they, they were able to come up with the win against uh, Arizona State University, 50-48. to 48. Uh, What did you think about that game, last final game of uh, the Houston women's, uh, the final game of the season?
0: It's a really great win to end the season because uh, U of H had a down season last year and just a great bounce back year for Ron Huey and company finishing third in the conference. And you, they were just just short of making the tournament, they were the first four out. And and you we, we were talking about before the show, you're saying that uh, if one of the teams in the tournament had COVID problems, U of H would have been the next in. But overall, it's a very successful season and uh, a season to look forward to next year with a lot of players returning and with the potential of Julia Blackshell Fair, who had a season-ending ur- injury just before the season ended, who's also a senior but – with the new uh, eligibility rules with COVID and she gets an extra year to come back.
1: So, yeah, I mean, that it was definitely a great season. um, And I I expect more from them even going further next season. They had some great wins this year. They did beat uh, number 13 ranked USF um, earlier and well, late in February. Uh, And that really kind of set the tone, I would say for this program, they, they weren't able to, you know, in the conference championship, Uh, they made it to the semifinal. They came up short against UCF. Um, They were not able to make it out of the first round of the NIT, but they, at least they were able to come up on a winning note against uh, Arizona State University. Um, So definitely we're proud of that team. And, um, you know, over the years, um, being an alum, you know, there weren't many games where you could say that the Houston Cougars women's team were, were winning, you know, regularly. So, I definitely see a kind of a change in, you could say, in culture as well. You know, like whenever Coach Sampson had come over to the men's team, um, it took like a couple of years. It took one or two years, and you know, that third season is when we started winning, and we were, you know, almost looked viewed at as like a tournament team. And you can almost say that the Houston Cougars women's team definitely is right around. You know, they're at that point where you could say they can just like like we had mentioned earlier uh uh, during the break how they were so close to uh, making it to the to the women's tournament and uh, they were just literally there that first team had a team dropped out due to COVID they would have been in there for the first round so uh, a great season overall and we're definitely proud of this team
0: and as you mentioned the big wins (laughs) against uh, USF it's uh just really a big improvement for the team and Falling to Cincinnati just before the season ended was really what's the nail in the coffin for the tournament. But really a big, huge step forward and just big wins against teams that UH couldn't beat in the last couple of years. We're going to see a lot of players return next year. Only two seniors on this year's Cougar team. And uh, Erica Sydney, who finished uh, one of seven, two points against the one against Arizona State, finishing her fifth year. We'll see potentially Julia Blackshell Fair return due to the COVID regulations that with the extra year eligibility. Other than that, we're going to see pretty much the whole team return. We've got Bria Patterson, who's a sophomore, redshirt sophomore Maya Crump coming into her junior year next year. Diamond Gladney's going to be a senior, and Brittany is going to be a junior next year. And also the the big freshman, Layla Blair, who made her debut this season. Coming back for a sophomore year. I mean, just a lot to expect next year. And you got the whole team just about returning. So a lot lot to expect going into next season and really a big round of applause for Coach Huey and the UH women's staff.
1: So if you were if you were to take a you know a gun to your head, <laughs> Justin, would you say that this, you know, this team, you know, they could, you know, make a run next season and make it to the NCAA tournament? That's what it's sounding like right now.
0: Absolutely. I mean, uh, in our predictions before uh, the season started, we predicted the UH women teams to finish around at least fourth or fifth. And in the actual like preseason rankings, I think they're predicted to finish seventh in the American. So they they exceeded all expectations and finished in third place. And yeah, I, I think they'll definitely make a run at the tournament. You know, they regroup and really focus and, you know make sure they beat the teams they're supposed to beat you know I think they can make a run because I think that last game against Cincinnati where they dropped right before the season ended that was they were the first four out they if they would have won that game they probably would have been the first four in but just a great season for Ron Huey and the UH women's team
1: yeah I couldn't agree more that Cincinnati game um and you know I, I I frequently keep up with this women's team but that Cincinnati game was definitely huge for us and I think had we just gotten that one win, it would have almost been, you know, kind of like a done deal that Houston would have uh, this women's team would have made it to the tournament. So you can almost say they were just one win or one loss away, or one win away, uh, I should say, from making the tournament this season. But um, just the overall, great a great job. Just anytime having you know, with, with the crazy year that it's been with COVID and injuries and all that piling on together and still being able to come up with a 17 and eight record, a very, very respectable record. And as well as beating one of the top teams in America in USF, that's just a great accomplishment. They should, you know, that team should uh, hold their heads high. I know they did probably didn't, you know, go as far as they would have liked to in the NIT, um, or even making, or not even a, being able to make the NCAA tournament, but I think they have a lot to look forward to next season. That's for sure.
0: And we wanted to talk about uh, the women's tournament, and the big story of the last week was the the weight room equipment between the men's and the women's tournaments, and uh, there was a big social media post that basically showed the comparison. The men's tournament had the pretty much a full weight room in the convention center while the women's team or the women's tournament, they just had uh, barbell racks and that, that was it. And that caused a huge, uh, huge controversy.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's, it's sad that, you know, in times like this, especially now um, that we see things like that going on uh, where I don't even think it has much to do with, uh, I mean, there's no, there's no question that there is a, you know, disparity in, know the amount of money maybe the men's teams bring in versus the women's team but at the same time like equal treatment is not something that's difficult you know to do so when I saw pictures you know of the women's facilities or the fact that they had only what they had like maybe one massage table and a uh, (laughs) and then like a couple of weights like maybe 10 weights uh, compared to what I saw with the men's it was kind of disappointing for sure Um, and also the also the fact that the women's, you know, uh, the women's organization, the NCAA W, you could say they they, they are run top, uh, from by women at the top. Um, so I think the senior vice president had some comments and just had said I think kind of making excuses for why the way the setup was the way it was and and you know that's basically there were those excuses were just illegitimate and um, they did finally. Uh, eventually they brought in more equipment so I was happy to see but it's sad at the same time that we had to have like a, a big story on social media and we had to have multiple NBA players for example like Kyrie Irving who's very definitely one of the most outspoken um, individuals in the NBA he you know he kind of uh, was very upset and he had a tweet saying how disappointed he was and how it's not right. And so it's, it's nice that we had a lot of NBA players um, stick up for um, the women's, the women's teams. And uh, it's good to see that, but still, of course, disappointing overall. Yeah, I don't um, definitely not like, th- there's really no excuse that can be made. It's not even, I don't think it's a matter of um, financial situation uh, to not have, you know, equipment for women to, because those are also, those are athletes as well. They're also student athletes and they need, they definitely need that extra equipment, um, you know, to get them prepared for their games, get their bodies right, get their minds right. So it doesn't make sense to me that there were a bunch of, basically a bunch of BS excuses I could say um, for, from the organization as a whole. Um, But I'm glad it just, at least it got to a point where they brought in more equipment for the women to uh, train.
0: I was going to say, yeah, there's uh, no excuse uh, from the top at all. Cause yeah, people going to bring up the revenue itself, what each side brings in, but it, it's no excuse because you're a billion dollar industry. You should be able to afford, you know, equal equipment for
1: both sides. Yeah, most definitely. And uh, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more about, you know, the whole revenue stuff. It's like, that's not the excuse. Um, the, I mean, the revenue maybe does come into play on um, certain aspects um, of college basketball, of course. Like, we're not going to deny that part. But at the same time, like, equal treatment is something different from, you know, the disparity in the revenue. So uh, you, you'll definitely see those, and, uh, those casuals on Twitter and Instagram and wherever you have it uh, on social media you know, try to mention or try to downplay, you know, women's sports in general. And they're going to say that maybe to them, it's not, it's unwatchable and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, one of the greatest basketball players in in our generation, Kobe Bryant, rest in peace. You know, he talked so much about how he enjoyed the women's game and the ball movement and the sets run. And he's, you know, he was a big fan of that sport and he was getting ready. He was having his daughter, you know, get ready for that next jump. Um, playing in women's sports, playing in uh, the NCAA and um, playing in the WNBA. So it's kind of sad that we still have uh, a bunch of tool bags, you know, (laughs) kind of talked down on on women and
0: women's sports in general. Coming right up on Pod Slamma Jamma, me and Akib are going to discuss our predictions for the UH men's team going against Syracuse next week. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo H-O-U. All Houston, all original. And as the men's team moves into the Sweet 16, they play the Syracuse Orange, who defeated the West Virginia Mountaineers with a score of 75-72 to and. a... I'm kind of optimistic about this game after that tough game against Rutgers. Rutgers actually defeated uh, Syracuse by about 13 in the regular season, but I am kind of worried about Syracuse's uh, 2-3 zone. Yeah, most definitely. Um, that's something that it's
1: it does cause trouble for certain teams, that 2-3 zone, especially with, with U of H. You know, we're not typically known to be like a, outside of maybe Grimes and Sasser we're not that great of a, shoot, um, you know, a shooting team. So that two, three zone, it's, it's possible that, you know, we might have some trouble, but that should open up some more looks from the perimeter. Justin, I, I do believe so. So I do still think we have that advantage over Syracuse and, and what I'm mostly, my concern is really uh, it's actually not going to be too much of that two, three zone. It's going to be on the defensive end for us, for Houston, um, you know, seeing that they Syracuse has some, you know, amazing shooters on their team. Uh, they've got, of course, Buddy Beheim, who's one of the uh, best players in the country, and he he averages 18. So he, he's like on the scoring end. He's like similar to Quentin Grimes, and he he averages just about 40% uh, from three on eight attempts. So he's definitely a guy that's you're gonna see him on in the next level. You know, in in, in the NBA, kind of like Quentin Grimes and. He's the guy that I'm most, you know, afraid of. He's he's that one guy that you know, he's going to be the last person on the court that you want to leave open and outside of that, they have some very they have some pretty good shooters as well, um Allen Griffin who shoots above 36% and then Gerard is uh, he's pretty he's a a, a double-figure type scorer who shoots 33% but he's at the same time pretty good and we noticed that they were just it was just a barrage of threes when they had played um, West Virginia. So they had hit 14 of 31. So over 45 percent as a team. And they all got started with uh, Buddy Beheim Buddy in the second half when, you know, he kind of torched uh, the Mountaineers. Uh, what do you think about his game and, you know, looking ahead to the game against the Cougs?
0: Yeah, he's gonna be a big problem a because he shot six to thirteen from the game. That's a really good rate. And but also not too much of a worry because you know, as long as the Cougars defend the perimeter and rebound, I mean they should be okay. But yeah, as I mentioned earlier, Rutgers did defeat Syracuse, so the score is 79 to 69 back on December eighth. So that gives me a little bit of hope, especially you know, with how tough you know Rutgers played us and credit the Rutgers. I mean, they had a great game plan for the Cougars and really beat the Cougars for most of the game at their own game plan with the rebounding and defense. UH is able to pull through, but Cougars are able to, uh, able to defend and uh, guard Bayheim contain him. I mean, I think we should be able to win this game by 10, but in March Madness, you know, the seedings don't mean anything when you're deep in the tournament. You know, it's all, you know, fair game.
1: Yeah, it is fair game. And uh, um, at, and in the postgame uh, last night, when um, Coach Sampson discussed uh, the different, the lower seeded teams, he said, if had you watched one of those games, um, like, for example, Ohio State, they were upset by the 15 seed. He said, had you watched one of those games, you wouldn't be able to tell which team was a two seed and which team was a 15 seed. So that's just kind of how things are with this tournament you know the, the you know anything is impossible so um or anything is possible sorry <laughs> so it's like just it's not something that we can fully say that you know Houston the Houston Cougars should come out on top obviously on paper they're a better team overall we defend better than Syracuse we um, attack the basket just as well and at the same time we rebound better than almost any team in the country so um if we if we do uh, uh, what's part of our culture, what we're taught, rebounding, defending, I definitely see us coming out with the win, but we definitely got to keep an eye on um, Buddy Bayheim or Buddy Buckets as they're calling him now in this tournament.
0: Yeah, and also another key is going to be DeJondreau's health with that hip. Thankfully, he has a week, whole week to recover. And uh, as you were saying about the lower seeds, uh, another big upset today as seven-seed Oregon defeated number two-seeded Iowa with a score of 95 to 80. So – Really, these lower seeds are playing with the big dogs. Yeah, and speaking of lower seeds, when you if you look to um,
1: even uh, the Cougars bracket uh, or their side of the bracket in the Midwest, um, it's crazy to see that at, you know the Houston is the highest seeded team right now left. So there are four teams left in that bracket or in the in the Midwest, and the highest seed after Houston is number eight Loyola Chicago, who's who's going to face you know Oregon State, who's a number twelve seed. And then of course Syracuse, who uh, we're playing up next, who's an 11 seed. So it's kind of crazy to see. And I think um, uh, we had seen Andy Katz uh, just the other just the other night uh, mention how you know he's never seen, or John Rothstein also had mentioned how we've never seen a bra- uh, part of a bracket like that where you have an eight, a 12, and an 11 seed that are left in that final four of that um, of the Midwest. So it's definitely interesting to see. It's definitely madness. You know, it's, it's March of course. So, you know, anything is possible when it comes to these lower seated teams, but I just, I feel, I still feel very, you know, good about this Houston team. We are still the favorites uh, now, at least to win, to win the Midwest. So let's hope for, you know, a final four appearance. And uh, let's hope on, I think I believe on Saturday is when we do play uh, Syracuse, um, let's hope that we were able to come up with a, a win and a good one for that. Hope for Dejan Giroud to be, be healthy that game.
0: Yeah. And really another big key against uh, Syracuse is going to be Marcus Sasser hitting his threes. If he can get going, I could see the Cougars, you know, edging out at least a 10, 15 point win as they break apart that two, three zone. And as you were saying, the, the highest seed, if we beat Syracuse is Loyola and, Loyola's really a great team to look forward to. And I don't think they should have been an eight seed. I mean, they're ranked in the top 10 in the Ken Palm yeah. rankings Just how good defensively they are. That's going to be a tough matchup. If we get past Syracuse.
1: Yeah, you're definitely right on that. Um, and it's, so I'm, you know, I, I've been vocal about this openly, like on Twitter and um, how the seating to me, sometimes it just doesn't make sense. Like I actually, I actually thought, Uh, Houston could have been a one seed just looking at some of the other two seeds and one seed so that was just my personal um, you know opinion but at the same time there are other teams that were actually much more deserving that did not make it into the NCAA tournament just because of what conference they had played in and we saw out of what was it the Big Ten we had seen uh, nine teams make it in and um, Justin, I'm gonna quiz you on this real quick. Do you know how many teams are actually left now in the Big Ten? Um, are you aware? I think
0: they're all knocked <laughs> out, right?
1: <laughs> I think Michigan. I think there is only one team left, and I think that's that's Michigan. So, um, to me, uh, that's and yeah, Michigan and Maryland as well. So there's only two teams left um, in that. In that, uh, in that, uh, out of the Big Ten, out of the nine teams, so that tells you, uh, you know, as much as you need to know about the selection committee and all these so-called, you know, college basketball analysts that put Big Ten teams ahead of teams that are cons- supposed to be considered, you know, much more deserving. So, I have kind of my gripe with how the NCAA tournament is handled and the seeding. Overall, it's it's for the most part it's pretty good, but I think they relied too hev- uh, heavily on. You know, which conference, if it's like a power five conference, because very easily, if you look back at our conference, the American conference, we could see three to four teams make it, you know, into uh, the tournament. Of course, Wichita State barely made it, you know, in that tournament there. Unfortunately, they hadn't got knocked out in the first four in that first round. So but definitely we could see other teams you know, make it into the tournament that, are, in my opinion, that are more deserved.
0: Yeah, and in the American, yeah, the last few years you Cincinnati had its run until this year, and then Memphis last couple of years have been a bowl team. See Temple make it, and then UCF back when it had Taco Fall. I mean, American is a you know a good basketball conference. It's kind of a down year this season, you know, with U of H and Wichita State only making it. But as you were saying, really the the bias of the Power Five conferences when it comes to the tournament, and also like football wise as well. I mean a lot of bias with the seedings and rankings and all that yeah and i mean i'm glad at least that the
1: NCAA tournament is a tournament where you have um 64 teams uh, and then you have the other teams that are able to play into that um 64 Um, so i'm glad that it's like a, a wide enough you know group to where you can see some of these lower seeded teams like loyola chicago get a chance at making a deep run you know, in that tournament, like an Ohio University. Um, And then, of course, like a Syracuse, uh, those teams, uh, of course, Syracuse is in in the ACC, and that's a pretty good conference already. But you get to see these tournaments that, or these uh, teams rather, that don't really get much credit during the season because of several reasons. Maybe the conference that they're in, or maybe they have an injury, or maybe just one bad loss here and there. Um, or just not enough teams that they had played that were good, um, they get credited out for not playing those type of teams, which it's unfortunate. But and then it's it's good that we have these um, these different, like, you know, the uh, Ken Palm ratings and the NET and the net ratings that tell you really, like, which teams are more deserving of a shot at
0: the NCAA tournament. All right, Akeem, right before we wrap up. What's your prediction for UHS game against Syracuse? I do believe we
1: definitely we get come up with the win against Syracuse, and I I don't want to say you know scoring wise, I, you just can never tell with these games. Um, you know we could very well blow out Syracuse, um, or it could end up being a close game. But I think a very huge key to the game, like you had mentioned, is if we can just slow down, slow down, because you're not going to stop Buddy Beheim because he's he's going to get. Buddy Buckets is going to get his shots. He's going to get his threes. Um, But the only thing we can do as a team is just slow him down. And um, as long as our our guys are contributing, like Marcus Sasser, and hopefully if Dejan Giroux doesn't have that hip bothering him as much, uh, that hip pointer injury, if that's not bothering too much, I think we definitely will come up uh, with a win here uh, on Saturday.
0: And, yeah, if everything goes right, (laughs) Marcus Asser starts hitting threes and, you know, everybody's just clicking, it's about a 15-point win. But I'm going to get a little realistic. I mean, this is going to be another, you know, doghouse of a game. I mean, it's going to be tough. I think U of H could edge Syracuse probably about, like, by five or six. Yeah, I definitely could see that. Definitely could see that as well. I mean, all these games –
1: have been so close um, except for maybe Houston's first game in the first round um, Cleveland State of course I don't they I, I just don't think they have, They were you know talented but even in, in that first half it was very close against Houston and this last game we were losing in the first half against Rutgers and we barely came out with the win so it's definitely we might be able to see I don't think Syracuse is as tough as Rutgers is you know on the glass and defensively but. Their offense is what carries them. So if we could slow down their offense, uh, I think we'll be in a good position to win that game.
0: And that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And be sure to follow
1: at Apollo HOU for blogs, merch, video, podcasts, and more original Houston sports content not found anywhere else.
0: And as always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of Pod Slamma Jamma, covering your University of Houston Cougars.